Welcome to another edition of the Born in 87 podcast. Adam and I are really excited to share today's episode with you. As you all know, earlier this month, Steve Cohen, the godsend, Uncle Stevie, purchased the New York Metropolitans from the Wilpons. And as kind of a bit of a screw you send off, we have brought the fans on, uh, five huge diehard New York Mets fans, to talk about why the Wilpons just flat out sucked and why they are excited for the Steve Cohen era. Uh, it was it was a lot of fun putting this together. And uh, before we get to all of our guests, Adam and I are going to just uh, give you a little intro here and share some of our memories and explain why we think the Wilpons sucked and why we're excited for Steve Cohen. Uh, sorry, that was a bit long. Adam, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I, uh, Steve Cohen is owns the Mets, and he seems very interested in making them as good as possible. Though I will say, what's the date today? It is day after Thanksgiving. It is uh, November 27th, and even though free agency has been open for a while, we have not made any moves. So I, I believe this will be a good offseason, but I want to I want to see those players acquired already. Let's let's do it. Yeah, uh, and, and I think, I, I mean, I, I certainly think he's going to go out and sign some players. I, I think... You look at it. None of the really big free agents have signed anywhere yet. There's been and, very few moves at all. Yeah, and I think on top of that, uh, we also need to know because it just seems crazy that baseball hasn't decided yet if there's going to be a designated hitter in the National League or not. Because that clearly uh, has a an unbelievable impact on the Mets roster construction for 2021. So, with with some of the guys. Uh, I mean, some of the players you're going out and you're trying to get anyway. I mean, uh, JT Real Muto. I think a lot of the other guys, and everybody knows the names, the George Springer, Trevor Bauer, uh, DJ LeMahieu, um, you know, if, if it's in a trade, Francisco Lindor. Everybody knows that the Mets are out there trying to, or supposedly trying to sign these guys. And at least the way I feel is that, Springer and Lindor and LeMayhew and, and even to an extent Bauer are all luxury kind of moves. Real Muto is the one guy he's got to go out and get. Yeah, you and I are in agreement on that. But, I mean, just talking to fans on Twitter and uh, just reading some stuff, it doesn't seem like the rest of the world sees it that way, um, which I find surprising. But hopefully Steve Cohen sees it our way. They need a catcher. If they can get an elite one, it'll make a huge difference on this team. Yeah. Um, I mean, as, as we've said, I mean, a lot of these other spots, like if you're upgrading from Brandon Nimmo to George Springer, I'm not saying that's not a huge upgrade, but you have a really good, Brandon Nimmo's a really good baseball player. Uh, if you're able to bring Lindor in here, Lindor is awesome, but you also have a ton Andres of, Jimenez. yeah, you have Andres Jimenez and Ahmed Rosario, who you know, I, I think a lot of people have, have soured on a bit, but and I for, apologize, I forget his name, but I know they also have this crazy good uh, shortstop prospect in the minors right now. So, you know, just looking at the pipeline, you wonder uh, as much money as Steve Cohen has, does he need to be spending thirty to thirty-five million dollars a year on a shortstop when there's already you know so much there? Well, if they can do everything else and. You know, if they sign Springer and they sign Bauer and they sign Real Muto and they just want to bring in, like, I'm not going to stop them. Great. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I, that wouldn't be my first priority. I, w- I would sign Bauer and I would sign Real Muto. Yeah, which goes back to the the other points that uh, 
we feel like all the other things are a bit luxury moves, but uh, Real Muto is the guy you got to go out and get. I, I do think, uh, you know, I mean, obviously getting starting pitching is important too, but we, we will be spending all offseason talking about the Mets roster construction. What we want to do now is uh, Adam and I want to say what we ha- just wanted to share a memory of what we hated about the Wilpons and what we're excited about with Steve Cohen. Adam, you want to go first? Sure. So. I, for whatever reason, even though I'm obsessed with, you know, front offices and all the sports we follow now, when I was younger, I was not. So I, I mean, I think a lot of fans understood that the Wilpons were terrible. I, I didn't even know really who the Mets were owned by for most of my childhood. <laughs> and that, that continued until 2011, right? I just never really thought about the Wilpons. Like I knew they didn't, whoever owned the Mets wasn't willing to spend. And I remember, I know that the Yankees were willing to go out and spend on pretty much everyone, but I didn't think of it like more than that. And then the story came out in 2011 about Jeff Wilpon and some comments he made about some players on the Mets. And I was like, oh, my God. I didn't – I mean, I was like, this is really strange and really dumb and mean. What, what's the matter with this guy? And that, that's how I became aware of how terrible the Mets' ownership was. So I'm going to read you the quotes. There's three of them, one about Jose Reyes, one about David Wright, and one about Carlos Beltran. This is all when they were on the Mets. So he said about Jose Reyes, he thinks he's going to get Carl Crawford money – He's had everything wrong with him. He won't get it. That's that's a really strange thing to say about someone on your team. Yeah. Um, Who won a batting title his last year on the Mets. <laughs> on David Wright. And this was the one that got the most attention, and it should have, because David Wright was, I mean, so was Reyes. Like, homegrown, captain of the team, worked really, I mean, there's just, David Wright's not my favorite Met of all time, but there's nothing you could say about him bad. I mean, the only thing you could say about him negatively was he probably should have retired earlier and, you know, just he wanted to get back and collect those paychecks. So I mean, the only thing I don't like about David Wright is how long he hung around. So but here's what in 2011 Jeff Wilpon said about David Wright. Really good kid, a very good player, not a superstar. Why Why are you saying that? Just that, don't say that. Yeah. But maybe he thought he was about to, he was about to negotiate his contract. Maybe he thought that he could save a couple pennies by not calling him a superstar. But that's bizarre. And then here's the one on, on Carlos Beltran. We had some schmuck in New York who paid him based on that one series. He's 65 to 75% of what he was. What? What is that? It's just, yeah, he's terrible. They were yeah. terrible. They're gone now. Um, the thing I'm most looking forward to is being able to hold on to our own players. Because that was the thing about the Mets that always just hurt the worst is you'd get somebody you really cared about, who you really loved, and you just knew that, they probably weren't going to hold on to him, David Wright being the exception. But we knew that they weren't going to bring back Jose Reyes. Not that he ended up being any good, but we knew that Matt Harvey, you know, when we thought he was going to be amazing, wasn't going to be able to be re-signed. You just – you never were going to be able to keep a superstar because they were so cheap. So I'm excited that we get to see our players who are homegrown stay with the Mets long term. Yeah, it's uh, well said and – uh it it just it is crazy to think that an owner just like said these said these things about his three best players. I mean, obviously those those uh, mid to late two thousands Mets teams never achieved what we thought they should have achieved. But I mean, those were the those were the three cornerstones of the franchise at that time: Reyes, Ryden, Beltron, and just to to say those things. It's just so I don't know. Let's say even. Let's give Jeff Wilpon the benefit of the doubt. Let's say he knew Jose Reyes was a bad person, which it sounds like from some of the stuff we've heard about and the thing, the way he treats 
uh, I don't know if it's his girlfriend or his wife or the people's life. Like maybe he, he knew that Reyes was not a good human being. And then maybe he knew Beltran was a cheater. I don't know. I'm just trying to get, but there's, <laughs> how could you say something bad about Wright? And my guess is at the time there probably was no, like Jeff Volpon probably didn't think they were bad people. Like just, it's just mind boggling to trash players on your team like that. And something that we've heard again and again, is just you want to make sure your team is a place that people want to go. So if you are looking at teams around the league and you know the owner is going to trash his own players, why would you go there? There's just sorry, I'm getting emotional. You can yeah. why don't you go, Justin? Uh, I, w- one thing I also took out of your story was just almost a, just a lack of awareness from the Wilpons. Like clearly, you have a lack of awareness if you're making those kind of comments, and uh, in a in a very very different way. Uh, with my memory, I'm also going to go to. Just lack of awareness and their general uh, cheapness, I guess. So, uh, <laughs> what I'm going to share, it doesn't, it's not, it's not something that uh, the Wilpons directly said, or even a decision that they may have made on a, a certain player. But uh, so after the Mets got to the World Series in 25, in uh, 2015, as an excited. Uh, as an excited Mets fan in my mid-20s that now had uh, some disposable income, me and a couple friends, uh, two of which you're going to hear later in this podcast, Alex Alex Bickelson and Andrew Martini, uh, we decided to go and get a Mets ticket plan. Now, to the Mets' credit, one thing they allowed you to do with this ticket plan is that if you had a game that you could not attend, you could trade it in for a game later in the season. So in 2017, we have this plan. We all know the Mets were terrible in 2017. And I remember one of the games that we had as a part of this plan was a Thursday night game in May against the defending World Series champion Chicago Cubs. And uh, I was unable to attend. So uh, I decide that I want to trade these tickets in for an August Monday night game against the San Diego Padres. (laughs) Uh, and I was given such a hard time by the Mets for doing this because the Mets have this weird, uh, price tiered structured system with their tickets. And in the Mets infinite wisdom, the Monday night, August game against the Padres was a more desirable ticket than the Thursday night May game against the defending world series champion Cubs. And it just like blew my mind that this wasn't just like a simple transaction and simple process. And that even if this wasn't directly from the Wilpons, that someone in the front office decided that like, oh, we should be uh, both structuring it this way. And that we're also like advising our uh, our like ticket staff to handle transactions that way. Uh, ultimately, they did after, you know, some uh, bitching and complaining. I did end up getting uh, those tickets exchanged to that Monday night game against the Padres. There were maybe 10,000 people at City Field that night for that Monday night game against San Diego. And it's just like, how do you have such a lack of awareness with like how you're operating your team to like just give your fans like a hard time like this like you should just be happy that like i'm willing to come to the park because i'm probably going to come to the park and you know spend a lot of money on food and beer once i'm there also they they should want you to continue to get their their ticket packages and be ecstatic that you're giving them their money 
Yeah, and so, so that blew my mind. And also, the other thing I want to share, also from when I had these tickets, is uh, so after the 2018 season, after just two straight miserable years of having this ticket package, we decided we're not going to renew for 2019. We'd rather just uh, you know, buy some random tickets when we feel like going to a game. And if the Mets are better than we think and they end up making the playoffs, so be it. They obviously didn't make the playoffs that year, but. When the ticket rep called me and was like, oh, I see you're not renewing this year, can you ask why? I decided to bring up the following point. And I said to this ticket rep, and, and I do feel a little bad that I said this, but I said, honestly, one of the reasons that I will not be renewing my tickets is that this past year, I just watched Mickey Calloway manage my baseball team. And this was the most incompetent manager I have ever seen. And to be quite frank, the... $700,000 you're probably paying Mickey Calloway per year to not be willing to absorb that and bring in another manager. It insults the Mets fans intelligence. That's how bad this guy was. I just, I could not believe that they brought it, they brought him back. And to be quite frank, I think he's one of the main reasons that they didn't make the playoffs in that 2019 season because the Mets missed a wild card spot by three games, and Mickey Calloway easily cost them three games that year just by his incompetent managing. I guess where I'm going with all this is that instead of moving on from a guy who clearly was not the answer as the manager of our baseball team, the the Wilpons kept him around for an additional season because because they were like, oh, we already hired this guy. We don't want to pay another manager. And then to just exacerbate the problem, going into 2020, when everybody knew, like, go out, get Joe Girardi, go get him. He's the guy. He'd be perfect here. They don't do it, and they bring in first-time manager Carlos Beltran, which then blows up in their face because he gets involved in a cheating scandal, <laughs> and he never manages a game with the team. <sighs> Sorry, I'm getting low on breath, but I guess what I'm going to use this to say is that one thing I'm excited about for Steve Cohen is that I truly believe that Steve Cohen will not stand for incompetence. And we've already seen it because the general manager of this team, Brody Van Wagenen, uh, we've said it many times on our podcast. We devote an entire podcast to giving lousy grades on his moves. They were fair grades. Yeah, they were fair. But the point is, is day one, he got rid of Brody Van Wagenen. He didn't care what money Brody was owed on his contract. And he, he fired a whole bunch of guys in the front office. And clearly we see that if you're not good at your job, uh, Steve Cohen is not going to care that he owes you money. He's going to try and put the best person in place. And that has me excited for the Steve Cohen era. Uh, just the idea that I don't think he's going to let people outbid him, especially for something like a manager. Like, I don't know how much the Phillies are paying Joe Girardi, but if I had to guess, it's probably something like $4 million a year. If Steve Cohen wanted Joe Girardi to be the manager, you don't think he'd overpay for him? I absolutely yeah. think he would. Uh, so th that just has me really excited that I think he's going to make truly just make decisions that are in the best interest of the franchise. And he's not going to be worried about saving every possible penny like the Wilpons did. I love how you uh, we have a podcast about the Wilpons and you managed to go on like a five minute rant about how much you hate Mickey Calloway. Like you, you <laughs> did tie it back in, but it felt more like you just wanted to complain about Mickey Calloway than you wanted to complain about the Wilpons. Um, 
What did that rep say after you ripped into the rep for the decision to hold on to Nikki Calloway? I wasn't ripping into the rep. I was simply I know, you explaining I was why that one of the main reasons I was not going to be renewing my ticket package was because I thought it was an insult to Met fans' intelligence that they were bringing Mickey Calloway back. Uh, his response was that, uh, if you look, the Mets had a winning record over their final 40 games in 2018, and they really started playing better baseball down the stretch. So uh, we should use that as a springboard for 2019. And it was really a hell of a springboard because the Mets had the second worst record in the National League at the 2019 All-Star break. I know they It's put- interesting that he had a canned response wait- waiting to go. I wonder if other people had the same complaint. Yeah, it, it did feel very canned when I was talking to this rep. So I... Clearly, I think a lot of people must have been complaining about Mickey Calloway, and they had like lines to uh, to give. They're like, "No, Mickey Calloway totally gets." And clearly, he didn't get it because even the Wilpons were willing to like let this guy go after two years managing. Like it got so bad. All right, so All right. clearly, uh, screw you, you Wilpons. We hate the Wilpons, and you still have some uh, emotions and feelings you need to work out with someone about Mickey Calloway. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I guess I just felt like maybe that 2019 team could have done some some good things in the playoffs that year, and uh, Mickey Calloway screwed their chances of making the playoffs in that season. But uh, <laughs> we'll never have to see him in a Met uniform or with the Mets in any sort of capacity again. So that's good. Uh, so for the rest of this pod, we've lined up five different interviews with five diehard Met fans. Those Met fans are Travis, Travis Williams, Pat Milano, Alex Biggleson, Ross Green, and Andrew Martini, and they're all going to... Mickey Calloway is coming on too, right? Uh, <laughs> we, I think we would have to put the explicit uh, uh, on the uh, podcast if uh, we ever yeah. had Mickey Calloway on. I would love we to have Mickey Calloway on. We would just... Uh, Friend of the pod. Yeah, I well, I guess that's one way of putting it. But uh, the following diehard Met fans are all going to come on to uh, share their will, awful Wilpon memories ex- and explain why they are excited about Steve Cohen. Um, we really did have a lot of fun putting this together. And it's just a gr- if you're a Met fan, uh, I think you'll enjoy hearing from a lot of other Met fans like Adam and myself. And yeah, just enjoy the rest of this episode. So on the line with us, we have our first ever repeat guest. It is Travis Williams. You previously heard him on the pod uh, telling us why if the Jets draft first, they absolutely have to take Trevor Lawrence. Uh, But he's also a huge Mets fan, and he is here today to tell us why the Wilpons suck and why he is excited for the new Steve Cohen era. Travis, how are you doing tonight? I'm good. How are you guys doing? I'm great. I'm surprised you decided to come back. I thought you're, you know, I don't know why you'd want to come back to this horrible podcast, but I'm glad to <laughs> yeah, have no, you back. No, no other podcast is inviting me, so. That is accurate. I figure why you're not. You're now our most frequent guest. You've been on more than anyone else. That's exciting. I am, I'll try to keep that record up as we go. Yeah, so. and we really do appreciate it because... It only just brings back uh, painful memories. Come, I mean, just because the teams we root for are just so wonderful. Uh, you know, always fun to share in uh, this misery. But uh, no, it seems oh, like the Mets are turning it around. I, I think we all have pretty high hopes. Yeah. So uh, on this podcast, you're going to hear a lot of different interviews. Travis is the first person we're interviewing uh, to share their Wilpon memory. And uh, 
earlier today, we Steve Cohen, I guess he gave his first, if you want to call it a press conference, and he talked about how he doesn't care about making money on the team and just wants to uh, give back to the fans and win, which is just like something you never would have heard from the Wilpon. So that's exciting. Yes. I well, still don't know if I believe that that happened. I'm having a hard time wrapping my, my brain around that the Mets owner wants to spend and win a championship. Well, it's yeah. nice to hear someone who has, what, like $9 billion to his name <laughs> He's is willing wealthy. to realize, like, yeah, you know, that's that's a lot of money. I don't, even if I pissed away $5 billion, I would still have $3.9 billion too many. So, yeah, and baseball more than any other sport, like, you can leverage money if you have it. There's no cap. And if you don't care about the luxury tax, Go go spend like crazy. Which yeah. is exactly why the Dodgers have been where they are the last four years. That's yeah. right. So anyways, uh, what is the terrible Wilpon memory that you want to share with us today, Travis? So uh, since you asked me about this, I, I was trying to think a lot. And honestly, my first gut reaction was there's no real, there wasn't anything specific. The Wilpons were always just like this dark cloud hovering over the team. You every off season you'd hear about decisions you'd hope the Mets would make or not make. And for so long, we've just been sitting back on, well, do you think the Wilpons are going to spend or not spend? Does it, can they do it? Is there these secret financial issues, which is super exciting that that will hopefully not be an issue for a long time. Um, but so it brought me back to the Bobby Bonilla deal. And I know this is just a running joke. Everyone talks about it every year. Um, our Yankee fan friends specifically, Mr. Ryan Becker loves to point this out every July 1st. Um, <laughs> but like, I know the money, the actual dollar amounts don't really matter that much when you're talking in total value. It's like, I don't know, 35, $36 million spread over many years in comparison to baseball payrolls. It's nothing to me. What always frustrates me is you had an ownership group who had someone telling them they could guarantee 10% return on an investment. And their gut reaction was, yes. <laughs> Not only yes, I'm going to defer money to a player until 2035, starting 10 years from now, it was year 2000, I think, right? And just yeah. that they would think in that math that that 10% is going to continue for like that long that it's going to like pay out in itself, that you'll pay this guy 8% interest on that over a 35 year period. It's just, to me, there was like a risk reward issue in their minds at that point. And I, I guess, look, I know the Wilpons, I think are one of the few people who actually made money off of the whole Bernie Madoff scam, but it just always sticks out to me as something that was like, it just, to me, it's a sign that there was something just off in their thinking. Besides that, they just put their noses in everything that was totally unnecessary. It's like the same issue the Knicks have with the Dolan with Dolan. It's like just leave it alone, like you do with the Rangers, and maybe there will be some success. Yeah, excellent point. Yeah, I, uh, I can't believe I'm the one defending the Wilpons here, but there were a lot of people who believe that Bernie Madoff could make them a lot of money. I mean, it, it, it should True. be a sign. We should. I mean, they probably were more involved with them than other people, but. It sure certainly doesn't show their financial acumen in a, in a good light, but there were a lot of smart people who thought Bernie Madoff could make them. A 10% and I, I, I feel terrible. It's just, I guess it's with the hindsight of seeing everything else that came from it. It just looks like this initial moment of like, what? I mean, look, 
beyond that, when I've thought about it, like the first moment of just what the heck are you doing? I think to me was the like Victor Zambrano, the Casimir trade, because that was just like a gut punch instantly. Rarely is there a trade that happens where the fan base is just like, what? <laughs> so fast. So. Yeah. Was that a was that a Wilpon push trade? They really were uh, high on Victor Zambrano. I was reading through at some old headlines, and it seems like that was one where they were, you know, putting their nose in things that they did didn't need to. Yeah. So I guess as a kid, I didn't quite realize that when they started making moves like that, that that was the Wilpon's fault. I, I wasn't aware of like ownership changes as a kid, but that that makes sense. That's probably right, right around the Bovon, Bernitz, all those horrible moves. I guess they all were the fault of the Wilpons. It was a shift yeah. from something bad to something awful. Yeah, and another thing that this all goes back to with you bringing up the Bobby Bonilla uh, deal is, you know, like you said, for them to think that they were going to get all this interest for 35 years and that this was worth doing. Uh, Also, one of the other things was that they said, okay, we're going to pay Bobby Bonilla a million dollars or whatever it comes to for the next 35 years. And by doing that, but one of the other parts of this is that now we're going to save money and we can reinvest that into the team. And if you look back at that era, they didn't end up reinvesting it into yeah. the team. Like, like look at that 2000 off season that come off going, you know, winning the national league pennant. And uh, one of the main reasons they won the pennant was because they bring in Mike Hampton. He pitches great for them. Then they don't re-sign him. Uh, Alex Rodriguez, who was a free agent that offseason, said that the Mets were his number one choice. The Mets didn't clearly he wanted to own him. them. Yeah, <laughs> clearly. So it's like you just go back and it's like, well, where was the reinvestment on the team? Like you didn't keep a World Series team together. You go a year before that when they lost to uh, the Braves in the 99 NLCS, uh, they have their all-star first baseman, John Allrude. Uh, then they decide, you know, they don't want to pay him. They don't bring him back. And it's just like you look looking back at that era, like part of the reason I think it was as brief as it was is because, you know, they claim like, oh, we're going to make this Bobby Benito, not only to make money, but it, it saves the amount of money we have to pay out to players. Now this is money we can reinvest back into the team. And you just look back and it's like, well, wh- where was that reinvestment? Because there's a lot of things you could have done to keep that group together longer and you didn't do it. I think what's frustrating too is they saved $6 million, which we can all agree is a lot of money. But when you own a baseball team in the top market in the country, I would, I would really hope that that $6 million, if you, if you like, isn't going to stop you from making a move that you think is going to help your team. Like if they thought Mike Hampton was the thing that would help them, they shouldn't be making that signing anyway. And if you're that close on your margins, I, I just, I don't want you owning the baseball team I root for. So it's just, and that was just so consistent for so many years. So I know the other question you'd ask is what are you then excited about? And like, that's the thing I'm being the Mets fan and being a fan of the sub tier team. I'm just so excited to have someone who can come in with just a big bat and just go, screw you. I'm going to spend, screw you. I'm going to spend because it doesn't matter. I have more money than God anyway. So let's, let's just do it. Let's not make money the issue. And when the Yankees are next door and we've all had to sit and watch for years to just throw money at a problem, throw money at a problem. So they've been doing that less. They have been doing that less and they haven't won a world series in 10 years. So 
cool beans. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the Yankees, I mean, despite the fact that they haven't won a World Series since 2009, they're in the playoffs just about every year. They're competitive. You don't have these just lost seasons. And uh, That's true. And, they missed the playoffs once in like 25 years, something like that, right? It might be a little more than that, but they've, they've definitely made the playoffs at least like 20 times in the last like 25 years. And hopefully that's, you know, that's a place where the Mets, I mean, even just, I mean, this past season, I know this was like a 60 game weird sprint of a season, but the eight of the 15 national league teams made the playoffs and the Mets weren't one of them. Uh, Thanks like, for bringing I, that up again. <laughs> well, it's just I, inexcusable. I, and I, I take I just, it to a moment that I know you guys have brought up in the past. And we, we think of 2015 and the pitching roster that they had, we were all thinking to the future, but one of the things that always came up in the background was which ones can they afford to keep? Right. Now, I know it all didn't pan out, but at the time you're thinking, oh my God, we have five young pitchers that we could keep around for years. But then you're going, well, maybe three, two. Right. They, Justin they and I used to always five. count down the years until Harvey was going to be gone because we knew there's no way they're going to be able to afford to keep him. Yeah. It ended up not mattering because he drank too much and hurt himself and ended up ruining his career. But yeah, I, I see your point. Yeah. And, it, and similarly now, it, maybe it's not their pitchers anymore, but you look at this core of position players. I mean, Michael Conforto is the first one up. He's a free agent after the 2021 season. But you look, you have Michael Conforto, Dom Smith, Pete Alonzo, JD Davis, Brandon, like you have all these young, talented position players now. And yeah, under the Wilpons, eventually we would have started thinking, okay, which of these players are they going to be able to keep when they reach free agency? And now the thought is there's no one, like if a guy leaves, it's because the Mets don't want him back, not because they can't afford him. And that's, that's right. a comforting thought. I bet they send Conforto very fast. That'd be my prediction. That'd be a nice sign to the fans. That's the first thing they did. Locked him up long-term. 100%. It's nice too because if you look at the trend in baseball right now, no team is looking to spend like any money on free agency players. So now it's like there's a real opportunity where just the value of players is decreased, and you have an owner who's willing to spend. Like it's not even like they should have to just burn a ton of cash in comparison to like ten years ago. Like you can pay players a lot more than other teams, but you can bring them in without it being just brutal like it was in the past so and we'll bring this up later on the pod um but i've seen people on the interwebs talking about how you don't you know build a team through free agency you build it with your homegrown players that's not what they need to do they have a ton of homegrown talent it really is just supplementing um and we've seen that work in a lot of sports where you build a successful team and then you supplement your holes with superstars and that's how you really compete and they're in a, a position to do that now yeah, and I'll and, say, as someone who lived in Houston for four years, I am very excited about the idea of them trying to bring Springer in. Um, but that's just me kind of like a second homerish sort of feeling there. But I would really like it. He was always solid, great, perfect guy in leave a spot, wonderful player. I'm, I'm going fingers crossed on that one personally myself. You yeah. can bring some of his trash can, uh, <laughs> you know, reading the pitch techniques with him. You know what I always say? Astros fans, enjoy that World Series in the moment, and that's all I want. I just want that moment. You can take it away from me three years later. That's fine. Am I going to feel worse than I feel right yeah, now being my fan? We have fan? no idea what that feels like to see our teams win. Right. So I have no idea. I can't even imagine. Yeah. Uh, I, one, one thing I bring up often on this pod is I, I just cannot believe – I know this is going back over 50 years now, but I can't believe – 
there was a like 20 month stretch from January of 1969 to June of 1970, where the Jets, Mets, and Knicks all won championships. Like it's unfathomable to me that this actually happened. I don't believe it. Anyways, with that, Travis, uh, thank you for sharing uh, your Wilpon memory and sharing what you're excited about for Steve Cohen. Thanks, guys. I'm looking forward to number three to keep this uh, record going. You got it. All right. Recurring guest, Travis Williams. Thank you. Next on the line, we have Pat Milano from the End of the Bench Show. Uh, we've recorded with Pat twice already, once on this our is feed. Three times. Yeah. Uh, it is. You, you're He's officially by the far and first. Yeah. For our, <laughs> our most frequent guests. Yeah. Well, at least uh, the person we've talked to the most. We did we did one pod on their feed, one on our feed. Second time, Pat is on the uh, Born in 87 podcast. Right. So isn't he our most frequent guest? Have yeah, we had anyone he... twice? I'll, I'll take uh, that. <laughs> he, he's at least tied. He's tied. All right. Anyway, welcome. Anyways, Thank you guys. Uh, Thank you for having me. Uh, so uh, if you haven't already listened to our appearance on the end of the bench show, you should not only should you go over and listen, but uh, once you do listen, you'd know that just like us, Pat is a diehard New York Mets fan. And we have Pat here today to share uh, just a miserable Wilpon memory and to tell us why he's excited about Steve Cohen now owning the New York Mets. Uh, Pat, take it away. Uh, well, we'll start with the uh, the bad, which is any Wilpon speak. Um, I mean, there's just been so many things over the years that you just, they, they make you want to pull your hair out among other things. Uh, but one thing that stuck out to me when it occurred, um, and I'm sure you guys will remember this, it's when both Cespedes and Wright's contract, which both, both of which were covered by insurance up on Mount mistaken i think right specifically was like 75 percent of that was covered um when that news broke i remember there being some sort of i don't know if it was press conference necessarily but there was reporting um of them of reporters asking the will ponds and and the front office how they were going to reinvest that money and in lesser and you know the lesser words i can say they basically said they weren't going to reinvest that money so once I heard that, the first thought to my mind came, okay, so you're going to be the Will Ponds and you're just going to pocket that cash because you are absolutely just criminals in terms of owning a baseball team. You're not willing to put money into it, especially since 75% of this contract was being covered. You have now money that you can reinvest into the, uh, into the team to try and put a winning, uh, winning formula on the field, and they just won't do it. I don't know about you guys, but once I heard that basically where Wolf, Jeff Wilpon was like, yeah, we're not going to reinvest this money. We're, we're going to hold on to it. I flipped. I, I was like, this, how, tell me right now how Major League Baseball is not going to force them to sell. They basically just said they're not going to spend money. I, I lost it. Um, the only it, it reason really I didn't was, flip is because I was expecting it. And it wasn't. So I, I was expecting it too, but <laughs> think about it. Like you're you're Major League Baseball, and you hear the the owners of a Major League franchise in the biggest market in, in your in your sport, basically just said they're not going to spend money in which they just saved. I mean, come on. That 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 there have been owners that have gotten ripped on, or or even um, their ownership kind of like taken from them for for less than that. That that was just right then and there. I was like. 
tell me MOB is going to step in right now and do something in terms of making themselves is that that's ridiculous. That, that response right there. Um, I, I don't, I don't know how I didn't like punch several holes in my wall or, or anything like that. Cause that was just absolutely ridiculous hearing that. Yeah, that that's a real, that's a really, really good one. And those and, teams were in contention. It's not like they were like middling teams. You didn't expect anything out of, I mean, the, the Mets had a chance in the playoffs or world series, like since 2015, right? They've oh, had man. opportunities. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. They've had opportunities since 2015. Um, they just always seem to hit that one patch of the year where they're just absolutely garbage. garbage. And then they get hot like two or three weeks too late. And um, they just miss out on, on uh, oh, at least a wild card spot. So, I mean, imagine if they invested that money from the start that you could have had an extra player or two, and then that could have pushed you into contention. But nope, instead, Will Pons decided to take that money and run away with it. Yeah, It's just so bizarre because they clearly, they're, they're still part owners now. They want a ring with the Mets. Like, they, they just want this thing but have no idea, at least when they were in charge, how to go get it. Yeah, and I think, and yeah, and it's something we bring up all the time, but this is why under Wilpon ownership, you, you'd have blips where the team was good and it was always over so fast. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you look at the other teams in their division, the Braves have been good for like 30 years. Uh, you know, the Nationals had a sustained run of success. The Phillies had a sustained run of success. The Mets, though, I, but I, even I the mean, Marlins won two World Series. I mean, they yeah. never had sustained runs, but I mean, it's they're the worst team in their. Well, division. I mean, yeah. The Marlins, after both of their World Series wins, they decided to um, to, to basically um, break down their their franchise and, and start from scratch. I could have tolerated the from ninety seven to ninety eight, and then culminated in a World Series. Is the yeah. point I was trying to yeah. Make. Oh no, no, I I one hundred percent agree. I mean, if if I can only imagine how um, you know everyone who was able to enjoy the eighty six series um, <laughs> as awesome as eighty six was winning, um, they should have been winners for at least what four or five years after that, um, that, that should have been our quote unquote dynasty area. Um, and they just couldn't do it, but I mean, at least having the one, too. yeah, it could, exactly. It should have been a dynasty. That team was so good. Yeah. Oh, we're going down a bad rabbit hole. It's making yeah. me sad. Yeah. yeah. One last thing I wanted to mention and something you said, Pat, that, uh, it reminded me of something that Mike Francesa always used to say regarding the Mets. And what that is, is that, you said how like they didn't want to reinvest the money in the team and it would always be like, well, you know, if they had just invested this money at the start, they could have been better. And one thing Francesca would always bring up is that a lot of times the Wilpons, if they were iffy about their roster going into a season, they wouldn't be willing to spend going into it. But if they were then in contention, they would spend mid season. Like an example of that is like when they traded for Cespedes in 2015, they took on salary mid season to take the, make the team better. But like, that's just not a way that winning franchises think that, Oh, well, if I'm in contention in the middle of the season, now we'll go out and get someone like, it almost reminds me, like if you remember the movie, uh, Moneyball, when you know they they chronicle the Oakland A's, I mean, and granted, the A's have been an excellent. I mean, I know they haven't won a World Series, but they're consistently in the playoffs. But I mean, the famous thing with the A's is that you know Billy Bean is like this genius GM that always keeps them competitive, but uh, despite a small payroll. And one thing that was like really well illustrated in that movie is that since they were in contention that season at the deadline, 
they were able to bring on a little bit of salary to, you know, for a stretch run. Cause now they only had to pay the guy for the last two months and not like the whole season. And for a team in new, for a team in New York to cut, try to like operate the same way that Oakland does, that's just not going to work. Especially when it's, just, the Mets it's also yeah. it's ridiculous no. and unfair to the fans. Yeah. Yeah. It should. That's the problem when you know, you're in New York, you're in California, these big market teams, Boston, Chicago, whatever it may be, you shouldn't be thinking like, an Oakland A or uh, a Tampa Bay Ray. I mean, you're the difference in payroll numbers should be, you know, so large that you're thinking like that. If you're, I mean, I understand that the, the Moneyball context, sabermetrics, analytics, that's such a big part of the game now. Um, pretty much every team has that department, but there are, you still have to spend some money. You, you have to put together a winning team. And, but then, um, then mid-season, if you have one or two pieces that you kind of got to bring in, don't expect to get everything you need at the July 31st deadline. Yeah. So let's so, transition. Like, what are you now most excited for? It's enough, like, talking about how sad I'm the bashing the Wilpons. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just um, so easy. We have a whole podcast just dedicated to it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, the biggest thing for me, like, we had briefly discussed it uh, on our previous um, podcast, was that we are getting an owner – that we hope based on uh, his press conference, his, his introductory press conference, that he's not going to be in the ear of Sandy Alderson and anyone else in the front office. He's basically going to hire who he needs to hire, uh, give the power to those guys and let them make the decisions. He's basically just going to be how much you need. Okay. Here's the check. Do what you got to do. That is what I'm looking forward to because as we all know, Jeff Wilpon was the kind of guy who thought that he was some baseball genius mastermind that, should have been uh, should have had an opinion on every single move that they made. Uh, there were several moves that he basically was like, I don't want to do this because I don't agree with, you know, uh, what this guy brings to the table. Um, Steve Cohen's not going to be like that. I mean, how many owners do you know um, were similar to the Wilpons in which they had to be involved in every aspect of baseball operations? I personally can't think of really maybe anyone. Uh, I, I mean, that have a direct thing. The fact that, Will Pond was even given that power to do that is an absolute travesty. Um, but Steve Cohen is not going to be like that from what we understand. He's a fan. He knows that he, he even said, he's like, yeah, I played a little little league. That That's about it. Um, so I'm a fan of the sport, but um, he's going to leave the baseball decisions to um, the guys he knows that, that, that can uh, bring them a, a championship team. And Sorry, a, I just have to say this. How narcissistic must the Wilpons be to be presented with your failure every single year and not realize that you're bad, <laughs> right? Like to continue to think you're a genius, even though you're just clearly objectively terrible at your job. You have to be pretty narcissistic. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. He is. He is. And there, there have been stories. I remember hearing like stories about like Paul LaDuca would be like, this dude would come into the uh, the locker room and start trying to chat up all the players saying like, oh, he was used to be so good. And LaDuca would be like, dude, get out of here. Like you're not anything to us other than the, yeah. the owner's son. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, that, that's what I'm looking forward to see Cohen. Basically he's just going to um, write the checks and then uh, sit back and, and watch what he hopes his, uh, his childhood team finally win another championship. Well, let's hope his childhood team wins another championship. Maybe several. We can get greedy. I'd love, yeah. I'd love to be greedy. I, let's, I, I need one. I don't have any team. I mean, we don't either. None of my team. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we never won a championship uh, in any of the teams that I root for. Let me just get one. 
I don't want to get greedy after that because I want to just enjoy <laughs> what I, I know I can get, which is I'm hoping just at least one to start with um, and then go from there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, something we always talk about is part of the reason that the three teams we cover on this podcast, the Mets, Jets, and Knicks are always so bad is because they have these terrible owners that constantly meddle. I mean, James Dolan is constantly meddling with Nick operations. And, Even uh, when he doesn't meddle, he doesn't meddle in the right way. Like bringing yeah. in Phil Jackson. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. And then uh, you look with the Jets. I mean, the Jets have this insane structure where instead of the head coach reporting to the general manager, the head coach reports directly into the owner, which so I mean, that clearly doesn't work either. So it's just a breath of fresh air to finally have one of our teams with an owner that seems to get it. And is like you said, is going <laughs> to say, let so. the baseball people handle the baseball decisions. Uh, Pat, thank you so much for coming. Yeah, on. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having uh, me on, guys. I was, we, look, uh, I was... we look forward to have you continue to set the record being our most frequent guest. So. Yes. Look forward to it as well. <laughs> All right. All right have, have a good, good night, night, Pat. Thanks, guys. Our next guest on the pod is a friend of the pod, Alex Biggleson. Alex and I... Uh, we, we, we've been to a lot of Mets games together over the year, a uh, person that I used to have a Met ticket plan with, and uh, we're, we're excited to have you on. How are you doing tonight? I am doing great, especially because we're going to be talking about my favorite topic in the world right now, Steve Cohen. I thought you said the Wilpons. I thought you were a big Wilpon fan. Justin, you told me a Wilpon fan was coming in to defend them. Oh, the, a, a big Wilpon enthusiast? Yeah, there's like dozens of them. Yeah. Well, you know, because in the in the in all in those three years we had uh we had our uh, our ticket plan together. We got to see one whole playoff game at, <laughs> for that wild card, two thousand sixteen. So you know, for giving the Wilpons all that money to get back that playoff loss, I, I could understand why you'd want to defend them, Alex. Yeah, they're uh, wonderful people who care so much about their customers and employees equally. Oh man, uh, <laughs> I and do I... think Fred might be a decent guy, from what I gather jokes aside but oof, he gave his son way too much power excellent point all right let's <laughs> uh let's get into it uh in all seriousness the reason we, we're having all these guests on is to you know just uh say why the Wilpon sucks uh, so uh alex without any further ado t- tell us why you think the Wilpons suck yeah i think the main thing about the Wilpons, and then i'm looking forward to being over no more half measures. Like every offseason, the Mets would half-ass it, sign some players that we thought were good, even though, like, if we really looked into it, they probably weren't anymore. <laughs> and we'd get excited. Like, they did the bare minimum to get us excited for the next season. And it would usually fail. And especially, like, being a teenager of the collapses in 07 and 08, like, each of those seasons, I thought we were the, one of the best teams in baseball, especially coming off of 06. That was just kind of a fluke loss in Game 7. But we're going to be in it every year. And they did just enough to make me think that. And just, you know, obviously the incompetence and they're gone. They're yeah. still a partial owner, but yeah, they're not making any decisions anymore. And they, they are gone. That's the main thing. Like you hear how involved he was in day-to-day decisions. And even like more of that's come out in the recent weeks. There's never been a, sp- a pro sports team where you hear, oh, they did so well because their owner was involved in decisions. It's always let the baseball people decide and just support it with money. Yeah. That's the thing we've talked about. Has there ever been an owner who was like making all these brilliant decisions and like taking over from their, their baseball people and like did a good job. Like that just doesn't happen. That's not a thing. And that's one of the things I'm most excited about with Cohen that like 
he recognizes that. And that was like one of the first things he said. And it seems like that's how he runs his business also. And that's, I didn't know that. That's a good point. Um, yeah, I, I realized that when he brought in Alders. He's like, yep, I'm not doing this on my own. I want to know someone who knows everyone who needs to go. And then the first <laughs> person they fired was Brody. I'm like, yep, they know what they're doing. Yeah, they, uh, Brody came back to bite us today, even with the Cano suspension, which I, is really a good <laughs> to thing. To bite us? I'm <laughs> yeah, delighted thing, that he's it, not on the team. It made Brody look worse, and it's a good thing. It is. Yeah. Jeff, it, it, second. It is also... Uh, a rem- the thing is, though, I still like have that reminder in the back of my head though that even though he's out for this year because of Brody Van Wagenen yep. <laughs> the, the Mets still are going to owe Robinson Cano 40 million dollars in 2022 and 23 when he's going to be 39 and 40 years old yeah Unless he's he probably not going to be able to take steroids great. anymore it's going to be a big problem for him if he could take steroids one more time he's, he's done though so <laughs> that's true slip someone his Gatorade although they probably yeah. don't even need to yeah, I think if you're Robinson, I think if you're Robinson Cano at this point, you just don't take steroids. You probably don't even work out. You probably just show up and it's like and just collect your money and call it a day. If, if he's not stupid, but <laughs> he was dumb enough to do it again. That is a good point. Uh, you know, it is. Uh, sorry, I just been thinking about this a lot today. So he could have been bad and gotten twenty four million dollars. It almost says something kind of good about him. Like he did the steroids <laughs> to be better. There was no reason he had to play well. Like he was guaranteed that money. I don't know. Sorry. I think it explains how I, I'm not encouraging anyone taking steroids, but he could have been terrible and still gotten his money. He was trying. I think I understand now how he's come back from these injuries the last couple of years and how yeah. he hit well this year. Yeah, that seems pretty clear. Yeah, and how he and how he hit so well at age 37 last year. Yeah. How was he signed he's, to? Oh, I, I can't believe it. Uh, so it's a bad. Brody, I mean, it's a Brody traded for him. And, uh, you know, we're all talking about how we need a center fielder. So is, would Kellen <laughs> be able to start next year yet? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Free uh, all right. Let's all right, transition. Before... What's something you're looking forward to? So that's the Wilpons are terrible. We hate them. They're bad. And so is Robinson Cano. What's something you're looking forward to under the Steve Cohen regime? He's filthy rich. We all know that. But I think even more so than that, we're being, they're going to be run by a fan, which is like, we heard that he's a fan, but then seeing in his press conference, like it really drove that home that like he really is one of us. Like my favorite thing was when he talked about his two biggest memories growing up as a Mets fan. One was amazing and one was a bad thing. He first he said the last out of the 69 World Series, and then he said Jimmy Qualls breaking up Seaver's perfect game, which my dad talks about like all the time as like one of his worst memories as a young baseball fan and curses the name of Jimmy Qualls. So to like see <laughs> Steve Cohen say that was like so relatable. I've heard that from so many other Mets fans his age and and the way he said, like how he's going to respect fans. And like, he he gets that baseball is an entertainment business and it's just about keeping us, the fans engaged and excited and happy. And he wants to do that. Like he's bringing back old timers day. I'm sure they'll have some more fun promotions. They're not going to be like the minor leagues anymore. He's interacting with fans on Twitter. I don't think any owner in all sports is that he's not interacting with us on Twitter, which I'm a little mad about, but I'll (laughs) forgive him if he, you know, gets a couple guys to the bullpen and, you know, signs a catcher. He might if you try enough. I, I sent him an idea on Twitter. He hasn't responded yet, but uh, I, I've been dreaming for years of a comedy night at City Field, noticing how many stand-up, like, big-time stand-up comedians are Mets fans, and you could have, like, a double bill of Seinfeld and Chris Rock headlining City Field for a comedy night. I'd why be there. St- why stop there? You, you got Adam Sandler, Kevin James are Mets fans. Like, exactly. You, you just keep going and going. Jim Brewer. Yeah, Jim Brewer. Yeah. These are great uh, ideas. Yeah. I, 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 
Yeah, I, I think we need to send uh, this segment of the podcast over to uh, Steve Cohen, uh, so you so you get your uh, proper credit, Alex. Oh, I, I I have the tweet saved also in case this happens. <laughs> saying, this is my idea. Just give me like a good seat. Let me meet Jerry. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, the Wilpons, to their credit, they did have a Jerry Seinfeld Mets bobblehead night, but hopefully Steve Cohen can up that a little and actually get like Jerry Seinfeld to you know perform at City Field. I, I like it. or even like before a game or like seventh inning stretch do a couple jokes yeah uh, i mean for for you listeners out there that uh maybe aren't familiar with a seinfeld stand-up go, go on youtube or uh netflix or wh- wherever he has stand-up comedy and go watch it because it's some of the best stand-up comedy you you will there are people watch. who don't know about seinfeld stand-up he's like the most <laughs> no, famous I, comedian I, in the history i of do the world. think that some people that maybe just know him from the show and have never seen his stand-up i don't think it's that crazy he is a stand-up comedian on the show <laughs> yes <laughs> it does his stand-up at least in the first couple seasons <laughs> but i think the other thing i'm really excited that is an excellent about, point <laughs> is um being able to since we know that like we're in pretty good hands and also seeing how much of a fan his wife is like she might be the bigger fan of the two of them so they're in good hands for like generations and like i'm excited about like I used to joke that like I won't let my kids be Mets fans, but there was a lot of truth to that. Like, I feel like I'd be a totally different person. I'd have a totally different personality. I'd be more confident if I didn't grow up a Mets fan. And like, I, I wanted to at least <laughs> warn my kids if they were going to do that with me. Like, let's understand. But now, like, wow. they're going to be like Yankee fans. They're going to see championships all the time. We hope. Uh, we hope. No. Knock on wood. Oh, they're uh, gonna not your kids are. You're not saying your kids will be Yankee fans. They're gonna no, be like be, Yankee. Be like, yeah. Be like yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm down for that. Who we're so used to watching them win. When I have kids someday, they'll just see the Mets winning all the time. Yeah, like, I mean, for for Met fans that are our age, and like I said, we we've we're very uh, clear with how old we are based on the uh, name of our podcast. Like being in, and Alex, I know I know you're like two or three years younger than us, mm-hmm. but uh, like be like we were in. Adam and I, we were in eighth grade during the Subway series. And it was, I just remember being so brutal when the Mets lost, like at that age. And I'm sure like you being in like fifth grade at the time, it probably wasn't much different. Like just all the Yankee fan kids, like was awful. walking around and like yeah. rubbing it. And we knew we were going to lose too. There was no doubt we were going to lose. I never for a second thought they were going to win. I was like, what was it? 2000. So I was nine. So I was too young to realize that like we were going to lose so bad. So I was just excited. And that's like one of my first me- baseball memories. Like m- my first baseball memory a couple years earlier is the the Piazza trade. And then the Mets made the playoffs a couple times. So I think that's normal. And then the Yankees just kind of dashed all those dreams. Yeah. That was all tough. right. So uh, <laughs> uh, be- before we let you go, one final thing I wanted to mention is, and you said it a couple of times about how Steve, not just Steve Cohn, but his wife too, are just huge Met fans and they bought the team and, it's such a great point because a lot of like the most famous owners and they're, they're good owners that you think of guys like Steve Ballmer with like the LA Clippers or Mark Cuban with the Dallas Mavericks. Like they've turned those franchises around, but I, I don't think Mark Cuban necessarily grew up as like a diehard Dallas yeah. Mavericks fan. It's just an NBA team came available and he wanted to own a franchise. Same thing with Ballmer and the Clippers. Right. Whereas like with Cohen, it's like, like not only is he going to invest because he's a rich person who's competitive and likes to be good at what he does, but he's a diehard fan. It's not like he's just sitting in the luxury box, inviting his friends in just because it's a thing yeah. to do, right? He wants yeah. to win. Exactly. So that part's just awesome. Uh, and Alex, you're, you were an awesome guest today. Uh, thanks yeah, for you coming on. 
happy really to do great. it. Feel free to have me back whenever you guys want to chat again. No, we'll yeah. definitely have you back on. You're great. Yeah, awesome. and and, ho- and hopefully uh, at some po- and hopefully uh, at some point sooner or later we'll be at a uh, city field together uh, watching a game. Can't wait. Our next guest on the Born in '87 pod. Uh, this is a special one for me. It- it's my brother-in-law, Ross Green. So uh, before before I let him talk, I'm just gonna say. Uh, when my when all these years ago when my when my sister announced that uh she was dating him uh she mentioned that he rooted for the Mets, Jets and Knicks. Wow. So so once once I found that out I'm like well well clearly clearly he's going to be the one cuz you know he he roots for the same three team miserable teams that I do. Uh anyways, raw uh glad to have you on the podcast for the first time. Uh how you doing tonight, Ross? I'm doing great. Super excited to be here. Thank you for that great introduction. And yeah, when I first met your sister and I found out you were also a Mets, Jets, and Knicks fan, I was like, all right, well, I guess I'm marrying this girl because her brother's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, have, I, I, I don't yeah. have any. I don't have any siblings, so I, I needed a brother to be miserable with me. So even though I'm, I wasn't born in '87, I was born in '91. I definitely my thoughts and feelings are aligned with you guys. Yeah. Wow. Well, I, welcome I, to the podcast. Happy to have another fellow sufferer on with us. Yeah. I almost feel bad for, so the thing is like, like it's so like, obviously our whole shtick on this podcast is we were born in 87. We just missed the last championship for any of our teams, but sometimes I almost feel even worse. Like when we have people of your age group on the podcast, because I mean, because I know like you were born in 91, meaning you probably like don't even really remember like the night. I know we're talking about the, we're going to talk about the Mets right now, but like you probably don't even remember the 98 Jets. Like you were a little kid during the 99 and 2000 Mets runs. I was, but I was watching it all. I mean, I still have some pretty vivid memories. Um, I've been a sports fan literally since I was a baby. I was watching Mets games in my stroller so i mean <laughs> i uh, and my favorite speaking on the knicks my favorite number is three because of john starks and he hasn't been in he didn't play wow um, that's impressive you know, yeah my favorite yeah. number is three he's he was my favorite player growing up i have the, i don't even really remember john stark so you got a better memory than i do <laughs> i had the poster of him doing the dunk over michael jordan on my wall growing up so yeah my lucky number is three thank you john starks repping my knicks shirt tonight as we just picked op topin Nice. But let's talk Mets. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, so obviously earlier this month, the sale became final. Steve Cohen purchased the New York Metropolitans from the Wilpons. And as a bit of a screw you Wilpons send off, Ross, what is your terrible memory of Fred and Jeff Wilpon? So I, I think the, the thing is, I mean, everyone knows they were literally the worst owners, not only in baseball, but literally in any sport ever. Um, so besides just other than about- the, other than the other two uh, that <laughs> yeah. other teams, maybe <laughs> don't forget about Jim Dolan <laughs> or the Johnsons. Um, but, I, you know, I, I think, you know, everyone's going to speak about how Jeff was just a micromanager. But I think the biggest problem with me is he never cared about the health of the players. Um, I mean, there were so many examples throughout his time owning the Mets. And, you know, the problem also with not only him being the owner was he was the GM. I mean, we've hired GMs over the years and, 
he didn't let them do their job. He, so he was, he wasn't the owner. He was the GM. Um, so, and I think the, my biggest problem with was he never cared about his players' health. Uh, and I think there's a couple of examples that I want to touch on. Um, one of the first ones was, so he just started owning the team. I think they got full ownership in what, like Oh three. Um, in Oh four, he trades our top pitching prospect, Scott Casimir. I think going into the year, he was like top 15 in baseball America, pitch uh, prospects in all of baseball and he trades him for victor zambrano who at the time was injured he had <laughs> tendonitis in his elbow so we're trading our top pitching prospect we're, we're also he makes the trade at the end um right before the trade deadline and we're like four games under 500 so really not even making a playoff push but okay let's trade away a top 15 prospect in baseball for a pitcher with tendonitis in his arm um, of course, we know what happens with that. Zambrano doesn't even pitch a full season. He ends up needing Tommy John, tearing his whole arm up. Um, so, boom, that. Next, we go into the next year. We sign Pedro Martinez to a four-year deal. He gets a toe injury, and Willie Randolph shuts him down. Okay, fine. Then we're in September. This season's over. Pedro shut down by now, and Jeff Wilpom is forcing him to pitch a meaningless game in September against the Marlins because Dontrell Willis is pitching and Wilpon wants to sell tickets. So because this new pitcher, Dontrell Willis is coming to Shea stadium. We need Pedro to pitch, even though he's hurt just to sell more tickets. And guess how many people are at that game? 23,000, literally (laughs) nothing. And because of that, Pedro ends up re-injuring his toe, getting more hurt and screwing up himself for the next year. I mean, it was completely insane that he cared about selling a couple more extra tickets instead of the health of literally the ace that he, he paid a four year deal for. Um, And then obviously Pedro ended up breaking down in 2006 and didn't pitch in the playoffs that year. Exactly. Because of this toe injury that he never, he never really recovered from it. Um, And it's just insanity that he paid this guy a four year deal that year. And, he gets hurt. We shut him down for the season and nope, you got to pitch. And then the last one that I thought was completely asinine was 2010. We signed JJ puts. And at this time, you know, he was a whatever reliever, but he was fine. But the craziest story about this was he didn't receive a physical from the Mets. You're so, how do you not give a physical to a player you're signing? Um, at the time, JJ puts admitted he had a bone spur that the Mets just never even noticed about. <laughs> And he ends up blowing two saves, has like a 5-2-2 ERA, and there goes his time with the Mets. So it's just the whole, I mean, I know the list goes on and on. Then with the whole Ray Ramirez, just constant not keeping our players in good health. So it's just, you're being an owner, you're acting as a GM, and just not caring about the healthier players really just absolutely kills me. So that's that's my Wilpon. I will always remember Wilpon, Jeff Wilpon, for not caring about the health of his players. He didn't even get to Cespedes' foot where he had like a career-ending foot injury that <laughs> they knew about, they didn't know about. And... I mean, that's what I'm saying. The list goes on and on. So I, I, I wanted to bring back some of the old things that people might not remember, but it's just you're – the health of your players is – how are you going to put out a team? How are you going to sell any tickets if your players are hurt? And, you know, he just – he didn't, he didn't care. He was so cheap. He just wanted to make that extra buck and putting out players that were hurt. And obviously that came back to spite him. Wow. You brought up a lot of things that I hadn't thought about in a while. <laughs> yeah. 
and that's what and speaking to justin's point about well i might have been a little young i mean i i these things still stuck with me i mean this was at the beginning of the Wolpons owning the team and just completely you know we should have known then and i guess now looking back on it it's like you see all these signs and even then in 03 and now in 20 2019 2020 with the cespedes thing i mean it he never learned no, they ne- never. they never learned. I mean, and now they're gone. It just, now, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, it just feels like in the last, at least in the last like ten to twelve years of the Wilpons ownership, this it was always a theme where it felt like the Mets always just had more injuries anybody. than anybody else. Like, and then people uh, would say it's just like statistical noise, right? It's just an anomaly. Like everyone has a bad year, but it was every single year, including last year. It's, it has to be their fault. Yeah. Uh, I mean, one thing that also jumps to my mind. So the Mets, they have Jose Reyes and David Wright. They come up around the same time. Reyes gets brought up in 2003. Wright gets brought up in 2004. Those are obviously the, uh, you know, they're the, they're the, like the two core guys. They're left side of the infield for those, those teams in 06, you know, and then 07 and 08 where they, you know, missed the playoffs by a game. But still, like, they, those were the backbones of those teams. And I, I just always felt like it was never a coincidence, the fact that, like, because the Wilpons were cheap and couldn't spend enough money on anyone, they, they you know, end up having to make a choice on, okay, we're going we're gonna to keep one of these guys and let the other one walk. They decide to keep david wright and they let go of jose reyes and of course the guy they keep david wright suffers like spinal stenosis and just has this awful like career ending injury and after jose reyes leaves the mets he plays like eight more years almost injury free i know he came back wasn't very good for most of those seasons though justin and then Wright's spinal stenosis came like several that's not, years. That's totally fair. Reyes was yes, he was a much lesser version of himself when he ended up coming back to the he Mets. Left at the the Mets. End. Like he, he won the batting title, and then his career kind of. I don't know about out. that. He was still a very good player with the Marlins and the Blue Jays. I don't know if that's true. Point being, he he was still a useful mlb player who stayed healthy for the rest of his career and david wright didn't that was really the point i was getting at he was also on the rockies at one time yeah he bounced around a lot <laughs> i mean I, I don't want to get into his off the uh yeah. the court oh, yeah, the stuff but um the point being is just that like the guy who you thought was the bigger injury risk ended up having a much healthier and 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 ultimately longer career and probably a lot of that is because he got it the hell out of new york that's definitely true all right so let's do the flip side of that what is the thing that you're most excited about under the cohen regime okay so i mean everyone knows steve cohen's the man um especially for us growing up on long island lifelong mets fans i mean that's what he is so i mean just if you watch his presser saying that he doesn't care about making money that's what he does during the day and he just wants to win i mean that's the best thing we could have possibly heard. Um, But I want to go in a little different direction with this. And I think what also pissed me off about the Wolpons was they didn't give a shit about the fans. They didn't care. They didn't want to interact. They would hide from us. Whereas Steve Cohen's embracing the fans. And I think what's so awesome is he's jumped to Twitter and he actually recently just got verified. He got his blue check mark. Nice. And 
he's interacting with the fans and he's asking us, what do you want? What, how can I improve your Mets experience? How can I improve, improve your city field experience? So what I did was I picked out my top five Steve Cohen interactions with fans. So we're going to start off and perhaps we have some um, listeners that are the interactions. We're going to start off with JT Schumann and he asked Steve Cohen, what percentage of the team do you officially own? Steve Cohen answers a lot. next we have henry sanchez he says steve we love you and your wife i hope we get to meet you around the city one day when the pandemic is over it would be great if you sat with the fans in the stands let's go mets steve cohen responds i will if you buy me a hot dog nice (laughs) steve i'll buy you a hot dog anytime um there's a follow-up on that someone asked him what his hot dog order is and he said sauerkraut and mustard of course, very That's respectable. <laughs> next, we have Joe Femmes. He says, can we get a Billy Joel to play at City Field next season? I'm a huge fan of Billy Joel. I would love that. Steve's response, what position? <laughs> Genius. Wow. Next, we have Thomas Cavanaugh. Hey, Steve, first time, long time. I'm wondering if we can get a sweet potato tie stand in center <laughs> fields for Ty Kelly. If you don't know Ty Kelly former infielder of the Mets of uh, runs a food truck called sweet potato ties. So Thomas is asking Steve about that part. It. I didn't know. I didn't know so, that either. Yeah. And Ty Kelly's great on Twitter. You should definitely give him a follow. But anyway, he says, wondering if we can get a sweet potato tie stand in center field, Steve Cohen's response. Don't you think it would get in the way of the center fielder? Oh, that's also really good. <laughs> yeah. And finally, um, just a preference. It's Sean McMallon nine asking, it's a seven inning, seventh inning stretch. Is it peanuts or Cracker Jacks? Steve's response. Well, that depends if I had peanuts or Cracker Jacks earlier. So nice. <laughs> personally, I think Steve is just awesome down to earth dude, loves interacting with the fans. And of course, I'm excited to win and see how he's going to make these moves. But just he's just such a down to earth guy. He's just he can talk like us, and hopefully one day you guys can get him on the pod. We I've started making some inroads. He's not responding, which is making me sad. But we'll we'll keep trying. We won't give up. I will say there was a guy on Twitter that said tweeted at Steve five days in a row. First day was Steve, can I get a response? Second day was Hey Steve, it's day two, can I get a response? And he kept doing that. By day five, he got a response. So it's just got to be persistent, Adam. All right. All right. So I'll stick with it. We found out what we have to do to get Steve Cohen on the pod. I'm sure I know somebody from the Mets is listening. So uh, tell Steve we want him on. Uh, well, so you t- you tell us we get Steve Cohen. We stop whatever we're doing and uh... <laughs> whatever we're doing. Yeah, whatever we're doing. <laughs> and uh, we'll, we'll have you on, Steve. All right, Ross, uh, this was awesome. This is Thank great. You. We appreciate yeah. your preparation. You really of came course. in ready to fire. Yeah. Of I mean, course, I was, a... I was looking forward to coming on. Hopefully next time we can get on for a longer segment, but I definitely was looking forward, wanted to make sure I'm prepared. We can hit the the listeners with the facts. Yes, and uh, yeah, I, I love that uh, you shouted out to the uh, the Twitter fans. And uh, Ross, you're, you're a fan. Like I said, this will be the, the, fir- the first of many times we'll have you on the Born in 87 pod. Absolutely. Uh, thank you again uh, so much. This, this was awesome. Awesome. Thanks, guys. I'm not just saying that because you're my brother-in-law. <laughs> Appreciate it, Justin. Well, question. Will, will, will my sister actually listen to the, uh, the pod now not, since you were on? So I was wondering the same thing. I, I might have to bribe her, but <laughs> <laughs> maybe a little ice cream. And I think we'll get her to listen <laughs> 
All right. Sounds good. All right. Thanks, Ross. Thanks, guys. Have a good night. Next on the Born in 87 pod, here with us to share his terrible Wilpon memory and to say why he is excited about Steve Cohen owning the team. Friend of the pod, Mr. Andrew Martini. How are you doing today? Good afternoon, men. Glad to be here. Long-time listener, first-time caller. <laughs> oh, you're the first one to say that, I think. That's delightful. Well yeah, done. Well... Really? <laughs> yeah, oh, no, that's absolutely wonderful. Thank you for saying that. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> That's something that I don't know if people outside of New York get. Like, first time, long time is such a, a New York sports radio thing. Yeah. And uh, I feel like everyone who calls the fan is always like, hey, how's your day going? And they never want to say how their day is going. They're like, cut to the point. Just ask your question. Well, when they're when they're trying to run through uh, a whole bunch of callers, uh, I, I sort of get it. But, you, but you, you, you've been given one of these very select spots with us. Well, so uh, I want to say we're, one we're thing. definitely willing I, to been, uh, just I've been ruminating on something. I get it off my chest. So I think the people who call into sports talk radio are morons. And the one thing I am very proud of is whenever we have someone on the show, they are extremely intelligent and have like really well thought out sports takes. And Martini is going to be one of them. We're not like some of these guys who have like these idiots calling in and be like, oh, we should trade Obi Toppin for LeBron James. That, that's not that's not our, our guest. So I'm proud of that. I'm proud to have Martini on. <laughs> Glad to yeah. be here. Yes. So without any further ado, Andrew, I'm sorry. I I, I need to uh, go back a little. So so uh, Andrew Martini, he's uh, he's someone that Adam and I used to run track against in high school. He went to a rival high school. Then me and Andrew went to college together at SUNY Albany. So, uh, I mean, we've been friends for a long time. He was I, my I could probably... friend before he was your friend. And people don't realize that. And sometimes Martini forgets that, that at track meets, we used to hang out because <laughs> we were both slower than you. So we used to always hang out, like talk and, you know, shoot the shit. And then you guys. We were more in the, the, the second flight of uh, events, yeah. Goody and I exactly. together. So Justin we spent more time together. Yeah. True. Where I was going with all this, though, is that uh, I'm because I don't want it to be weird and just being like, oh, we've got we've got Martini on. We've got Martini. I, I needed to call you Andrew Martini, but it's always so weird calling you Andrew because I could probably count the number of times I've called you Andrew uh, on one hand. And I think I think all five of them are on this podcast right now in the last five minutes. And I, I'm going to ask, did you have to think about what my first name was as you were saying it the first time? I didn't because we're on Zoom right now and it says Andrew Martini uh, as your <laughs> Zoom <cheap>. name. Because <laughs> oh, I have challenged friends that I've known for many years before of, hey, guys, what's my first name? And it, it stumps them sometimes. Oh, I know your first name. You, you, yeah. You, <laughs> well, as you said, you've you've known uh, Martini Laura. All right. Without... Uh, that without uh, boring the listeners anymore, Martini, what is the terrible Wilpon memory that you want to share today? Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot to shuffle through, but what I really think it comes down to is when Daniel Murphy wanted to rejoin the Mets, his contract was up, and he he said, "I want to be I want to be a Met," and they let him go, and then he went on a tear the next two seasons as a National killing the yeah. Mets, killed the Mets every time. He saw us. I feel like his average went up double from where it was. And he's like, yeah, let, let me uh, let me go eight for 10 this series and see what happens. So, you know, I, I loved Murphy just as a player who had a lot of heart and enthusiasm for the game. And uh, as someone who, you know, came through the Mets system and then we let him go. Yeah, it, it's a good one. Uh, I, 
I think it's also I think important to mention when you talk about Daniel Murphy that not only did the Wilpons not want to pay this guy and uh, not bring him back, but you know they wanted to you know throw some dirt on him on the way out because I'll, I'll never truly believe that Gary Cohen came up with the line himself met negative uh I, you know the Wilpons own both the Mets and SNY and owning SNY and employing Gary Cohen uh I I will always believe till the day I die that uh that line from Gary Cohen came directly from ownership and not out of Gary Cohen's mind because I think watching Met baseball Gary Cohen would know that Daniel Murphy was not a Met negative and as you said, it's, it's, it's really just that going back to that. It's just one of the worst moments for the Wilpons and that, yeah, they had this great homegrown player and they just had no intention of wanting to pay him or keep him here. Yeah. I mean, offer him a contract at at a time. I believe they did give him a qualifying out the qualifying offer, which he clearly was not going to take. And then he He didn't sign for the national for a ton more money. Yeah, he did sign for a lot more money. I mean, the thing that was also, you go back to it, that was so frustrating about not bringing Daniel Murphy back is, like, you look, and it's like, I know one argument that was made is that, oh, well, he what he did in Washington, he never did that with the Mets. Like, they didn't know that uh, he was going to be capable of putting together that kind of production. And maybe that's true to an extent, but we we did see in the 2015 playoffs what he was capable of when he set the world on fire and was one of the mm-hmm. main reasons, if not the main reason, that they made it to the World Series that year. I mean, he was just incredible in those 2015 playoffs. But, like, I'm looking at his numbers now, and the guy was just so remarkably consistent. So it's like, even if he didn't think he was going to elevate to what he did in Washington, like his batting average, his years with the Mets, like from 2012 to 2015, he had 291, 286, 289, 281. Like the number of doubles he hit per season, 40, 38, 37, 38. Like his RBI, 65, 78, 57, 73. Like he was just a really, really consistent baseball player like maybe maybe never a defensive marvel but just a really good consistent baseball player uh someone met fans loved and yeah it, oh it definitely, a huge fan favorite yeah, also it, they had no interest and i think he was asking for what a, a three-year contract something like that was but, he asking I mean, for a three-year contract i think so i mean you had that world series team and he was such a part of it and they didn't like think about like the just the the feeling that he brought to the fans and the team and how important he was to that team and that's like maybe we could have done it again with him the next year and they they didn't bring him back they didn't seem to even really take it seriously like they had this incredible end to their season and just just bring it back and he was a big part of it like who cares if he's not gonna hit what justin what was his ops in the nlcs he's like 1850 i mean he's not gonna do that 50 right he's not gonna do that during the regular season even if you think he's going to revert closer back to where he had been, like just bring back that team. There was so many good feelings. You just don't have to screw it up. Yeah. And do you, and uh, as you said, Martin, not only did Daniel Murphy only sign a three-year deal with Washington, it was a three-year deal for 36 million. Like it was nothing It wasn't crazy. Like, in baseball terms. That is not by any means an exorbitant contract. Like certainly the Mets I'm sure could have 
match that or gone like an extra million per year. Yeah, he wasn't asking for eight years, 250 million or anything. He was like, listen, just give me three years. You're giving me two. Two sounds nice, but three would be what I need. And they didn't do it. They let him go. So but I will say, I think he is a free agent right now. And obviously he wouldn't be a starter for the Mets, but man, imagine him in that clubhouse with, with Pete and all those guys right now. I'd have I no issue. Going in. Yeah. Especially if, I mean, if there's, and, and to be honest, I mean, if there ends up being a designated hitter in the national league, he probably would get more starts than you think. Mm-hmm. If you brought him back to this team. Depending on what moves he makes. Well, what Some I like team... about him is. Go ahead. No, what are you going to say? I was going to sorry, background radio. Well, I was going to say, what I like about him is, is it, it's at the firehouse, so it's uh, nature of the beast. What I like about Murphy is that he's just a, a senior guy. He's, a, he's mature. He can keep people level-headed. And I think the younger players on the team would really respect him and look up to that. So that's why I think if, aside for his ability to maybe be a good DH for us, I think some of his uh, senior leadership skills would be well accepted in the uh, the clubhouse so uh that's well said and i think that's a good transition into saying uh is that the thing that would excite you most about steve cohen this offseason is bringing daniel murphy back <laughs> i mean i would love to see my boy tim tebow get a few starts but uh oh, that's it. that's not gonna happen you know a tebow fan no no not to play baseball i have nothing against him personally i just <laughs> And I think it's more of a sideshow that the Wilpons were into rather than like an actual baseball move. He is not great at baseball. I don't think he should be on a major league roster. I think he would have sold out that stadium had he played a few games. I'd rather win. I don't know if Justin would have gone with me to that game, but I would have been there. I would have gone. I would have gone with you. I would go uh, too. I have nothing. I don't think there's anything wrong with Tim Tebow. And, Good for him for wanting to play baseball. I just he's not a major league baseball player. Yeah, the numbers and, back that up. Yeah, and Martin, even though as much as you like Tim Tebow and maybe back in like those uh ugly years of 2017 and 18, it might have been fun to see him up for a game. I, I think even you would admit if Tim Tebow is nowhere yeah. near a major league roster, that that <laughs> That's a good thing for both the Mets and says things about Steve Cohen that he's just interested about winning and doesn't care about any sort of sideshow to make a it's few extra tickets. bucks. Right. Yeah. But I think going back to your question is what do I love about Steve Cohen? Steve Cohen is a Met fan. So he's going to do whatever it takes to one, see the Mets do well, but also make the Met fans happy. And I think he's really going to, he's going to do well for the team. He's going to bring in the right talent, but I think he's also going to keep in mind the farm grown talent is so important to his franchise and he's got to keep the eye on that too, without just trying to pay big bucks every, every season and get some, some old weathered guys in, get the right people at the right time and not just buy them in their hate in the past their heyday. Yeah, that's a good point. And it, it's something I know I'm uh, hopeful about is that he does put an emphasis on the homegrown talent. I mean, one thing I've seen a lot of on like Facebook and Twitter is like people going out and say, Oh, we could throw Dom Smith in a trade for uh, Lindor or throw in Jeff McNeil in a trade for uh, Lindor. No. If they trade either Dom Smith or Jeff McNeil for Lindor, who has one year left on his contract, I- I'll just be so upset. I mean, those are two guys that uh, I know me and Adam both, and I know you, Martini, too, just absolutely love. Huge fans. And mm-hmm. it's just, there's no reason to, to move these guys. 
Well, I think they're not going to trade Dom Smith for Lindor because Dom Smith had more of an impact on winning than Lindor last year by a large magnitude. I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to McNeil straight up for Lindor. Are and you I, nuts? I, I I love Jeff McNeil, but like if that's all you have to give up to get a superstar shortstop, I, I'm i okay with that um, rather than giving up like eight other guys. Um, I think you're I wouldn't give up just, McNeil. I think you're underrating else. just how good Jeff McNeil is. No, I'm not, but they, they want to, you know, you know Jeff McNeil, his three years in the majors, you know what his on-base percentages are? It's probably like right around 400 each year. 381, 384, 383. That is just a model of consistency right there. Right. But Lindor OPS is, is 852, 916, 836. Right. Lindor is not also, as good of a hitter. He's a gold on... glove shortstop every single year. I Like I said, I love McNeil. I don't want them to trade him, but if you could get Lindor straight up for him, I wouldn't be opposed McNeil to McNeil has a far superior OPS to Francisco Lindor. Yes, I know that. I don't know. Also, you're gonna have to pay Francisco I'd, I'd Lindor. You're also gonna have to pay Francisco Lindor a crazy amount of money, whereas Jeff McNeil is on a low contract for another four years. That's true. So you have to I factor that into. But this one doesn't care about money. He he might not care about money, but he's also gonna look at it as would I rather if if that was the deal, would I rather have Jeff McNeil for the next four years at say like eight million dollars a year, or Francisco Lindor for the next eight years at $35 million a year. Like that's something you definitely have to consider. I mean, they seems like they're very interested in him. I've been worried about how much they're offering to give up for him um, based on what's been reported. So if you could just give up, like, you know, I not opposed to, it. I don't necessarily love it, but I'm not opposed to it. All right. We, we've, uh, <laughs> we've gone, we've, we've gone. certainly yeah. gone off track. I'm going to bring it back uh, uh, to where we started this conversation just, just for a second. Uh, and just say the Wilpons suck also for this reason. As you said, Martina, you were super upset when they did not bring back Daniel Murphy. And uh, Adam and I were born in 87. Martini, you're a smidge older, Martini, having been born in uh, 86. Mm-hmm. But that means we've all seen the Mets get to two World Series in our lifetime. And the NLCS... Oh, sorry. The NLCS MVP in each of those seasons, Mike Hampton in 2000 and Daniel Murphy in 2015, neither of them were brought back by the Wilpons, which I think just says a lot about how, you know, the Wilpons valued winning and, you know, keeping guys within the franchise that were, you know, a part of the team winning. And just clearly they were able to take care of their own. Exactly. Not, I mean, and granted Mike Hampton was a one year, fill him but still it was a guy that clearly paid a played a huge role in them getting to the world series and And they just never even considered bringing him back which is just absolutely bananas yeah and i know uh one of your friends too martini uh, alex biggleson when he was on the pod did bring up the point that while uh mike hampton by not re-signing him uh it did lead to the draft pick where they got david wright but still that that was very i mean you know when the mets drafted david wright they they certainly didn't know yeah, I mean, you didn't know that that was going to be a right. guy that was going to be on the team for 20 years. So, and they, you know, who knows? They may, maybe they get, if they don't draft from there, David Wright falls to the second round. Like, it's just, you, you, who knows? Who knows? I wouldn't have rolled the dice on not resigning Mike Hampton for the outside shot of this guy, David Wright. Yeah. Um, anyways, uh, <laughs> I feel like we kind of went uh, all over this place in this uh, 15 minute recording, but, uh, Martini, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for on. coming on. Uh, I, Thanks I, for having people, me. 
Yeah. Martina, I think me and you have been to, to uh, more Met games together over the last few years than I've probably been with anyone. So uh, hopefully, uh, you know, we'll have this vaccine sooner or later and uh, we'll be able to be at a uh, city field together in 2021. You know, I was thinking about that. How many games do you think we've been to together? North of 50? I think so at this point. Yeah. I mean, we, we had we've two been seasons of the 20 ticket patches. Yeah, I mean, we've been going to games together really since college started back in like 2005. So it's yeah, I think I think we're probably over 50 by now. Well, Justin, let's uh, for two seconds. The last game that we went to together at Shea Stadium. At Shea. Was it Shea? I, yeah. I, I can't remember. The what last was the NLC? The, the NLCS game. Oh, that's right. Well, oh, we must have gone to one after that. I remember the last game we went to at City Field together was when uh, Alonzo broke the uh, the rookie record. That's right. But uh, we've had some good games. Yeah, we were at, we we were at one of the wins uh, in two in the 2006 NLCS uh, game one when uh, mm. they beat St. Louis. A few days before we uh, cried in our dorm room when uh, they would eventually lose that series. <laughs> the memories go back a long ways. <laughs> Plenty of heartache. Yeah. All right. It's going to change, though. We're in the Cohen error. Yes. Well, Martini, thank you again so much for coming on. Yep. Thanks for coming uh, on. It's been a pleasure. Great. Yeah. And let's go, Mets. Let's go, Mets. Go, Mets. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Um, As I said at the top, we we had a blast recording, and it was great hearing from all the Mets fans we spoke to about their screw you send off to the Wilpons and why we all, at least to this point, <laughs> love Steve Cohen. Yeah. I feel like I feel a lot better. I had, a, I had some stuff to get off my chest. It seems like some of our, our friends did as well. And hopefully we can just love our ownership group now until the Mets win a world series, which maybe next year. Knock on wood. Knock on yeah. Wood. One can hope, but now it, it feels like a more realistic hope. It does. Uh, yeah. If, if you're still with us and you don't already follow us, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at bornin87pod. Visit our website, bornin87pod.com. Uh, if you want to send us an email, let us know how we're doing, bornin87pod at gmail.com. And please give us a five-star review in the Apple Podcast app. Uh yeah, again, I, I hope you enjoyed this. Uh, I know this was something different, uh, putting all these uh, interviews together, but uh, I, I think um, I, I think this went well, Adam. All right, well, we'll find out when people give us their feedback. All right, uh, thank you so much. Uh, we'll be back later in the offseason to talk a lot more Mets baseball, and have a good one, everyone.